0: Welcome to Too Deep, Hokies Under the Influence. My name is Pete Berthaud, and my co-host is Robbie Dowling.
1: Robbie, we're number 24 in the coaches poll. How you doing, man? <laughs> That's all that matters. The coaches poll <laughs> dictates perception across the nation, is what I've been told.
0: Oh yes, yes. It's the best poll. Um I wish they put us a little bit higher, but uh yeah. The first poll is out on August 6th. I don't know what kind of sense that makes. The coaches poll is trash and will always be trash. And for some reason in a year when everything's so uncertain, I feel like it's put out earlier than it ever has been.
1: <laughs> well, listen, I'm going to say one thing here. Of all seasons that the coaches poll actually might be accurate, it's this poll because the coaches have been sitting around for a long, long period well, of time true, I evaluating. <laughs> I know I'm, I'm being facetious, but they, yeah, yeah. they have more knowledge than they normally would at this that's particular true. junction that they accept about their own team. They probably know a lot about everybody else, but they have no idea who their starting quarterback is.
0: Yeah, maybe they got to read the uh, some of the preview mags while they were in quarantine. Uh, why don't you give us a cheers and kick us off, man?
1: Well, this is a tough one. I guess just to be back in the saddle again. Right? We have been on a slower progress to uh, putting out materials in, in this offseason, but I, I know I... I feel bad not giving content to the listeners in in one side. I also, I've listened to so many COVID episodes of podcasts during this offseason. I want to rip my ears off. There's just, there's so little to talk about. And I know there's been a ton of news as of late. We'll get to that in podcasts to come. And we're not going to hit that today. We're going to keep it kind of fun and and more exciting. So we got a schedule out there. You know, we'll talk about whether uh, at some point, whether it's going to get played or not, but I think... The best approach is for us to be excited that we have a schedule and take this podcast in the light of it is going to get played because otherwise, you know, it's it's just not that fun to talk about. So that's uh, a cheers to, to having a schedule and a fun one at that. So let's let's just go with the positive.
0: Cheers, man. Yeah, as Robbie alluded to, we are not going to tackle recruiting or Caleb Farley today. I think we're going to do that next week in a podcast. Today is just about the 2020 schedule that got released. Two weeks ago, we heard that the ACC was working on a 10-plus-1 schedule, meaning 10 conference games and one non-conference game, which will be played in the state of the ACC team for which it will go against. And that was pretty exciting in its own right. Notre Dame was added to the conference— uh, kind of weird and they're even eligible for the title game which no one liked at first but with learning that they're gonna have their money from NBC involved I think people kind of warmed up to it a little bit
1: <laughs> just a, just a wee bit different once you kind of learn that there's a little bit of cash I and you know uh, I forget the um AD's name um was it Swarbrick I think is that is that Notre Dame's uh it A4? sounds right yeah I think it is and I just pulled that off the top of my head, so at least I paid some attention in this off season. I uh, said that there really wouldn't have been a deal unless that that was on the table, which I thought was a pretty honest way of, you know, recognizing the situation that Notre Dame was was in at the time, and that both sides needed each other. He could have said, he could have beat around the bush a little bit more, but he said, "Listen, there wouldn't have been a deal unless the you know the money was going to be." equally split between all groups, what I thought is a good way of kind of, you know, olive branch going both ways for, for all involved.
0: Right. It's got to be mutually beneficial here because we, we're we the one with the conference and all the teams to choose from and playing dates. And they obviously have something to offer. Now we probably weren't the only conference that made an offer to Notre Dame. I'm sure the big 12 and the big 10 wouldn't mind having them in their conference for this year and splitting some of their money. But seeing as we already had the five game deal, seeing as they're already in the basketball conference, it does make a lot of sense for them to join up for the one year to make it easier on them to get a schedule together. And that's what we're doing. The other cool thing is that we're getting rid of the divisions for this year, which I'm in support of for all time. I I, I'm hoping that sticks that the commissioner sees how it goes and, and we'll just do no divisions and always play the best two records in Charlotte every year, because that's how it's going to work this year. And I don't know about you, but with the uncertainty of a vaccine and COVID, this Notre Dame thing, this could well be two years.
1: Yeah, and that, that you know, you just hit a lot of points right there. Well, yeah, well, I'll, hit the, I'll, <laughs> I'll hit the the latter one first. Is I don't know what this will mean. I, I have a feeling Notre Dame's going to you know stick it out and remain independent. But if it if it goes to two years and and things go well for them or it leads to you know potentially a playoff berth that they may not have otherwise stepped into you could see um, some things that would be positive positive there and then and then going back to your point a lot of folks have been on the elimination of divisions for, for a while now. And there's been takes from national media members to guys like Bill Connolly, and like if, all the way to us and why we wanted to see it. And there's there's a couple different ways to look at it. So it's not just one size fits all. Part of it is, and more at the national level, their perspective was always more along the lines of, we're, we're not getting the two best teams every season. That that was their big gripe with the, the divisions is, and especially, um, you know, like cover two podcasts hit it all the time. It's like, I just want to see the two best teams. And that's not necessarily ha- happening when the Coastal is, is weaker right now with Clemson riding so much of a high. And I think more at, at least at my level, it was the lack of cross division matchups. And that's what mm-hmm. really always made me. Yeah, that always really, bugged you. For, yeah, that, that was always, you know, the fact that, you only play a team every four to five years and you only play them at home every, I think the, it was eight to nine or maybe it was nine to 10. years yeah, 10, or something? Yeah, nine to 10. For was, some of the teams? Yeah, <laughs> and that was always my big gripe was once inside the conference, I didn't really care that much. It's great to have the two best teams and there's no doubt about that. It, but I always was just frustrated that we didn't get to see, for instance, some of the names that we're about to talk about here. Mm-hmm.
0: Now, I, I f- fully agree with you. It's nice to see... Uh, Florida State, Clemson, Louisville come through more often. And if you did eliminate the divisions, regardless of Notre Dame joining forever, you could just get rid of all the games except for one rivalry game, and that would, for us, that would be UVA, and rotate the rest of your schedule. and And that would be so much better, in my opinion. But let's move on. The other conferences: Big Twelve, Pac Twelve, SEC. Uh, Big 10, they all have different starting dates. <laughs> and so, including from the ACC's date. So, the Big 12 is actually going to start at the end of August. There are four games. I think it's August 29th. And then the following week on a Thursday, Ohio State plays. I think that's Thursday, September 5th. And there's like a bunch of games that day. And then that Saturday, uh, there's some more games, and then we would be the next week. ACC would start the week of September 12th, which was originally the Penn State game weekend, but now that's going to be the kickoff for all of the ACC. And then later in the month, you're going to get SEC and Pac-12. Uh, <laughs> the union situation with Pac-12, I'm not so sure how that'll shake out, but the plan is for them to start late September.
1: Yeah, and and the situation now with <laughs> – the Big Ten, because they have now filed their own kind of uh, united, um, more associated with uh, COVID than some of the broader concerns that they have. So each conference has taken, and I I hear these opinions, and even as earlier today, two really smart analysts that I, I appreciate were talking, one was saying how starting early is the smart thing to do. The other one's like, yeah, starting later is the smart thing to do. I don't think we know, I, I, I know. and everybody's trying to pick a strategy that either delays things as much as possible uh, and hopes that they get better, maybe even depending on what location there are and what the rates are of infection and things like that, where the conference sits and health and safety, all those sorts of things, or pushes it forward yeah. and provides flexibility for game cancellations and, and those sorts of things. I don't know. I mean, these people are spending night and day. I'm spending a, a lot of time thinking about it, but not nearly. They're hiring consultants. They're doing everything right. in their this power is their job. <laughs> to try and figure it out. And they can't even all get it the same um, across five power five conferences. And it's even different across all of the 10 leagues. Uh, everybody's mm-hmm. got a different mm-hmm. different approach. So uh, I, I don't know um, which one is better, but it you're exactly right. It is going to be, if we even do start a season, it's gonna be really strange because we're gonna have records out there and we're still gonna be 0 for 0 when those start. And then the SEC, we're gonna be multiple games, you know, I know people are gonna be multiple games part. in. It's gonna be weird.
0: And I actually like what the Big Ten and the ACC did starting. Not super early, but not super late, and leaving open dates for flexibility to move things around. And the Big Ten especially did so because they're not doing the out-of-conference game. And I kind of wish that's what the ACC did. But that's besides the point. There are open dates within the schedule, two buys on the ACC schedule, uh, that things can be, you would assume, flexed into. They also left the championship game as December 12th or December 19th to add an extra week to, I think, play with replays or postponed games so I like the way they did it for the SEC with the way things are going in the south I think they felt like they had to push it back farther yeah and like you said no one knows if that's the right strategy or not but on paper I think every league kind of did what they felt was best and and hopefully it works out let's go into this schedule man I'm just going to read it off and then I'm going to ask you your two maybe biggest takeaways Uh, week one we play NC State at home week two UVA at home we get a bye then Duke and UNC back-to-back on the road home against BC away against Wake that's a new game added to the schedule we weren't playing the season before Louisville away Liberty at home Miami at home Pitt away and then the final game after an open date is Clemson at home so when you saw that schedule what was your first reaction
1: there's a couple of first reactions. The easiest one is everybody's going to point right to the UVA game being week two and um, how that hasn't since, I guess I think uh, the stat was not since they haven't played that early since like the early days of Beamer before, like, you know, it was 87. It was the last time
0: they played that early in the season.
1: Yeah. So um, that, that jumps out. I think the second thing that jumps out just because of the lack of divisions is the, I'll, I'll use it. The divisions don't matter, but the cross division opponents jump right out. I mean, you have NC state this year, you have Clemson this year. Um, it's in Louisville that, that is so unique to what we've become accustomed to. And, you know, this, this, this issue that I've always brought up, which was, you know, the inability to have these, these crossover matchups. Um, I think those, those jump right out. And, you know, I, i like the, um, I like the matchups. Uh, you know, I think in in terms of there's a little bit of a away stretch, but I want to get to that the home versus away. I'll sure. kick that out because I think that's the, oh, there's a lot of hot takes on that that I think are some misguided and some on point. Um, is you know there's a there's a middle stretch there where you know I think it's four out of five games if I'm looking at it right um we're, we're on the road, which which was interesting, pop up. But you know, two of those games I think are very playable in Wake Forest and Duke. And I think Wake Forest could be, you know, somewhat decent this year. And then I think Louisville people think really highly of you know what Satterfield's done there and what he potentially is going to do this year. So that could be a tougher game. And then UNC obviously um, you know, depending on how you think their QB situation is going to be a rock star or not, is is a tough game. So I think that stretch is interesting right in the middle.
0: Yeah. You know, I didn't actually think about that stretch when I was reacting to the schedule. My first thing was obviously the UVA week two. That's huge. It jumps out, and I'm excited because next month in September, this is August 6th, we could get the cup back. And I want that Commonwealth Cup back. UVA, if we are able to pull off a win in that game and the game happens, <laughs> less than 300 days, they would have had the Commonwealth Cup. And that's that's what I like to see. So let's, let's make that happen in week two. The other biggest thing was similar to what you said was Clemson. I mean, getting Clemson at home in lane. Uh, we had it in twenty seventeen. Me and you were there together. Mm-hmm. But that doesn't get to you don't get to have a number one team, which right now in the coaches poll they're number one. They're gonna probably be number one in the AP poll and swap back and forth with Bama or Georgia or whoever all season. But that's a huge home game. Not not necessarily that there will be that many fans in the stadium, but it's still cool to have them, you know, travel to Blacksburg. So that jumped out to me having Clemson and having an open date, a bye week. Right before Clemson, that that's pretty cool. Hopefully, that open date stays, but that seems unlikely.
1: Yeah, I think the week that they picked to have Clemson for us, and I don't know when I looked at the schedule, I tried to make heads or tails of what they were trying to do or how it looks relatively random to me. There wasn't a common theme. I was like trying to put something together with at Duke and at UNC. Whether there was a thought process there, I don't know that I can really come up with it. I think that would be. you know, because normally
0: we start the season with our out of conference, then maybe BC. And I feel like they tr- typically try to keep the coastal games like in the second half of the season. Like that's normally, there might be one that sneaks in that's not a coastal game, but typically you end the season with like five or six coastal games. Yeah. And this year it's all over the map. We have Liberty. Uh, the third to last game of the season, which is a nice little respite there between Louisville and Miami. I, I That Liberty date actually might work well for us. Um, the fact that Liberty's on the schedule for... I don't even want an out-of-conference game on the schedule this year because of the complications it could pose with COVID. Like Getting 10 games in is going to be hard enough, let alone an 11th game, let alone against Liberty, who nobody likes. And we don't have to go into why, but... Nobody likes liberty.
1: <laughs> yeah. I just see that as I said this to I think you today and you and me and Joe were going back and forth. I, I see that as they wanted a I don't mean this and they wanted a team that they could easily cancel, basically. That if it was going to be problematic and we needed a, another open week that they could use that as a as an open week. The the original I don't think it's really that hidden. I don't know if anybody's ever publicly said it, that it's like factual. But the the original intent for right or wrong was the ACC left open the out-of-conference game because of all of the rivalries between us and the SEC to to allow those to still be played if they needed to be, or if they would be played, knowing that either the SEC had to cancel it or they had to move forward with it and if they canceled it then you know the ACC kind of got off you know the hook for having you know the the division rivalries or the the conference rivalries get played i i think i i'm i'm on board with you know the thought process that as soon as that didn't happen it would have been really easy and i don't think there would have been any backlash for the ACC to be like oh you know what those aren't going to happen. So, we're not we're doing just, out of conference we're games. We're just not going to do out of conference games. And instead, I don't know. I haven't looked at what it the. started other out were-
0: as a power player. At least that's what it seemed. It seemed like the ACC was saying to the SEC, if you don't want to play the rivalries, you have to cancel them, not us. Yeah. And the SEC said, yeah, we're not doing out of conference. And the ACC was like, okay, we're all going to schedule a cupcake. Like, I-, I don't understand why we just didn't get rid of it, but yeah, whatever uh moving on to some other notes from the schedule i'm glad we don't get florida state or notre dame yeah. those are two of the better teams in the conference we did lose our gt game which they're not going to be very good again this year so it would be nice to keep them on the schedule but we did pick up wake and nc state two of the weaker uh atlantic teams and we obviously have to play bc like we do every year so uh bc nc state wake they are, I think, the last three teams in the Atlantic, according to Athlon's preview, like when they did the two divisions. So it's nice to have those three teams. You, you want to play the weaker teams. Uh, did you have any other, like, you, you mentioned the tough road stretch, and I do agree, Duke, UNC, and then you get a BC game at home, and then Wake and Louisville. That is, that is tough, especially that Louisville game. If they do allow maybe half fans or a third fans, that's still Halloween weekend. It's going to be rowdy. <laughs>
1: Yeah, and I think we get Miami at home, which is uh, is nice. I think that 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 adds well to the schedule. And um I would just add that yeah. and then Pitt seems to be picking up some speed just in terms of like people recognizing that they may they may be better this year than you know probably I would have thought or anticipated going in. At least Yeah, they're at, getting with, a little bit of hype. Yeah, with at least some of their 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 top talent. So I think I think it's relatively you know, staged out well, the, well, it's probably a good time to go into it for me. What I also tried to take away from it was this whole concept of home versus away games. There's a higher likelihood now than ever that the fans, there's not going to be fans in the stadium. Uh, Some people have already, I think uh, Penn state came out today and they said no fans. So that's official. Did they really? Yeah. They came out today and said, there'll be no fans. Uh, at games or that it'll be reduced occupancy. I think Whit Babcock came out and said, we're looking at something at like 30 to 36% occupancy. I think it's probably going to go down to zero and, and not be fans in the stadium. So, and then there's immediate jump to, well then home versus away doesn't matter because you don't have the fans there. You don't have. And I, I, I really disagree with that in, in during a, The pandemic that we are in and traveling and going to other places and it's not going if it's already tough to get through travel and you know make things seamless and do walkthroughs and all those sorts of things in a different location it's going to be worse it's going to be far worse in terms of just think about this mental stress on players traveling and going to different locations going to places in North Carolina
0: extra checks that you'll have to go through when you're on the road Yeah.
1: And they might, you might, you might be in a location that has really low rates of, you know, infection and, you know, you think everything's come, but now you're going, it's like going to stay at like a friend's house right now. Like you're like, are they really doing everything they need to be doing to kind of keep me safe? Why is it any different for a bunch of players and a a whole group of players going on the road? So I guess that's a a narrative that's kind of caught steam that like this home versus away advantage won't matter I think I think it does, and I think it was Fornelli on the Cover Three podcast was talking about soccer and referenced the home versus away wins that are happening in in soccer right now because he followed, he's a huge um, you know soccer guy, and he said it's still like like seventy percent home teams winning in in those games. He said it, or something along those lines. It was, it a was really was yeah. High it number. was
0: like a he gave a percentage. Uh, it was, it was smaller than normal, mm-hmm. but it was still an advantage for a home team. Yeah. Whether that's just comfort, uh, whether that's familiarity with the field or the stadium, who who knows. Or just lack but, of travel. I mean, that has yeah. to be an advantage for you. Right. It's exhausting to travel places. And that's actually is a good segue to one of the points about the schedule is all of our games can be bus rides. That's not true for UVA. That's not true for a lot of teams that got to go to Miami or whatever we can do all of our games by car, by bus. Six hours is the longest one. That's Louisville. And I think Pitt is just over five hours. So that's really nice for our players. trip to to Durham or Chapel Hill. That's just a three hour ride. Winston-Salem, same thing. So uh, that's an advantage for us. I think going into the season two It's just less miles for the guys to travel until um, a bowl game, basically.
1: Yeah, I, I totally agree. I, Um, you know, I think that, that was probably my key takeaways overall. I, I didn't see anybody get, you know, necessarily a distinct advantage when I looked at other schedules and I didn't go through too deep on everybody else's. I paid more attention to ours, but Mm -hmm. it seemed relatively, um, if not fairly allocated, at least in random with a little bit of thought to you know, try and keep as many games more local to the extent that you can. I mean, we cover the entire East Coast, so there's only so much you can do.
0: Right. And I wonder if that was by design, too. They tried to keep as many teams as they could within a six-hour radius of where they're from. That might have had something to do with it. I'm, I'm not sure. I did think it was a little backloaded, considering you have Louisville, Miami, Pitt, and Clemson as four of the last five games, and you have to go to Pitt uh, after the Miami game. So that's that's a bit of a challenge. Even though Miami's in Blacksburg, it's still you know that Pitt game on the road is brutal, and you're coming off what should be a pretty tough opponent. Though Miami j- did just lose Gregory Rousseau today; their stud D lineman opted out. Uh, one of the many star players that's opting out this week. Uh, We saw Rondell Moore, Micah Parsons, obviously our own Caleb Farley. Um, They're coming. And for these teams that have NFL prospects, uh, we're going to see the roster change, the two deeps change. Maybe not for Clemson because no matter what, it seems like those guys always want to play for Clemson, but but we'll see what happens. And the last note, I, I just wanted to ask you about what you thought about the opener against NC State, a team we don't see that much, but now they have Wiles and Mitchell, uh, the cornerbacks coach, on their staff.
1: Yeah. And they're in like a tough spot where they need to have a good season here, you know, sometime soon and have been underperforming, I think, in terms of the expectations. And not that anybody, but they've had some good teams. They have, they bring in like a lot of good talent. They get a lot of talent to, to the NFL. And it seems like they're, you know at least at least a notch or two below what they should be performing at uh, you know at this juncture so i i think that could be a really tricky game for for us and i know yeah. you, as you mentioned they were predicted to be towards you know the bottom end of the atlantic but um you know yeah they the, were
0: predicted to go 3 and 5 and finish 5th in the atlantic
1: yeah and um and it's it's Dorn, right? He's Still the coach there, it, Dave Dorn. It, yeah, yeah, he's got his back up against the wall a little bit. Granted, I think most people think this is going to be a freebie season for most coaches, and you know they'll, they'll buy themselves another year, barring mm-hmm. off the field issues or something. You know that they say or do something stupid, but you know performance is probably not going to be the reason that they get kicked out, but. Um, they need to they need to play well, so I think that could be a little bit trickier. Granted, it's at home, so I, I think we should be set up in good position. But um, at, at that one that one gives me a little bit of pause in terms of thinking that yeah you know, we should easily come out with a W there.
0: Yeah, if you look at NC State's roster, the offense brings back a ton. They're not bringing back a returning QB, but they have so many skill players that are coming back. But the defense is lacking on returning starters. It's it's a very young group, an inexperienced group, and that's where I think Wiles, uh, especially Wiles, could play an advantage. He knows all those offensive linemen. He knows their tendencies. He knows what our offense likes to do. So especially in week one, that could be a a big advantage for NC State with a young defense just to have a little bit of a a tactical advantage because otherwise, if Wiles wasn't on that staff, Tony Gibson's their defensive coordinator, he used to be the D C at, at West Virginia when we played them at FedEx. I think we'd just shred them up. Mm-hmm. Uh but the fact that they have Wiles, it could be not saying that's gonna be the make or break. I'm just saying it's an added advantage for NC State to have one of our thirty <laughs> year coaches on their on their staff. Yeah,
1: no doubt. And and on top of that, it's I think if we, you know, the season progresses and we start getting into it, I think. Guys will start to... I, and I know there'll be stuff that happens that's very weird during the season, but people will kind of get their legs underneath them and kind of get a feeling for what it's like if there's fans or no fans. So I think week one games are going to be a wild card. It, it would it would not surprise yeah. to me to see... Even more so than normal. Yeah, <laughs> it would not surprise me to... If I was... I'll be interested. Maybe we have to have Colby on and those guys before the week one uh, games kick off and talk to them a little bit about gambling strategies because yeah for real it, it would it would seem like taking if unless vegas has it all perfectly figured out taking underdogs in kind of week one games might not be a bad strategy in, in money on plays yeah <laughs> and because i i have a feeling you know it, it heck you know, i I just went back to to work. It was weird going back into the office and like getting used to like what I do, like getting, you know, and trying to be safe while doing it at the same time and, and go into the office. Uh, imagine that on steroids when you're going to try and compete and like against, you know, really good talent and, and play against people. It's, it's going to be weird.
0: Yeah. Let's take a beer break before we go over some of our uh, rankings of the hardest and easiest games and, a little bit of the fan predictions we got on Twitter. Robbie, what are you drinking?
1: I'm drinking uh, the RER uh, Nanocoke Nectar. It's a IPA, 7.5% uh, alcohol. This is out of uh, Cambridge, Maryland, I believe is the exact city that they're out of. I had RER beers when, I don't know how close it was to when they first started up, but they were really good. I just happened to walk into you know, a couple Maryland bars one time and and they had them on draft and they were really delicious. This one is not quite as good as I recall. Most of those beers, it took them a while to get distribution down into the Virginia area. It's, it's certainly good, but it's, it's not quite as good as I I remember. So, you know, I, I get it sometimes it's convenience, a little different, um, has a little different flavor to it, but I would probably, uh, go different directions with some of the uh, more common beers that I, uh, I typically go with how about you
0: I'm drinking the partly cloudy by solace brewing I actually posted a picture of this to Twitter a couple of weeks ago I went to a covid 19 wedding actually my first my first covid 19 wedding I have another one coming up my cousin's wedding is uh, Labor Day weekend but we were down in Maryland I was only like 30 people. We stayed in an apartment with two other couples who we knew very well, and that then that was who we sat with at our table, but they had a great beer selection. The groom uh, is big in a craft beer, so they had nice coolers full of th- uh, Three Notch um, and obviously Solace and a bunch of other ones, so I picked this one up. He's like, yeah, take it with you. I was like, I'll probably drink it on the podcast, and it's good. It, partly cloudy. I think you have had it. Um you can imagine what it looks like based on the name of the beer, seven and a half percent alcohol. It's not as sweet as some hazies, but it's got a sustainability in terms of I could do more than one or two of these. And, And that's harder for me if they're a little bit sweeter. So I wouldn't say it's like super bitter by any stretch, but it's just like down the middle. And so partly cloudy by solace. I know you've had a couple of their beers on the podcast. This might be my first one. Uh, on the pod. Uh I like it. I like the partly cloudy. The can is awesome too. And you can if you look on our Twitter page, you can see the can. It's blue and obviously has some cloud and geometric shapes. It's it's a nice looking can.
1: Yeah, Solace is right down the street and interestingly, they um they they found they were able to distribute pretty well at least locally, uh which actually helped them out a lot because all of the you know places you can go outdoors and grab beers and stuff all seem to have it on tap and so i drink it a fair bunch and interestingly at the place that i go to get beer around here um i ro- recently my kegerator broke so then i finally got it replaced like the only good kind of hazy ipa that was in stock for a long period of time was salis so that was uh that was flowing on draft for a while in in my house uh, oh, it was the partly sweet. cloudy so they, uh, they managed to keep their distribution channels uh, open, mostly just because it's local. It's it's about 35 minutes from uh, from my house. All
0: right, let's talk about the hardest and easiest games on the schedule. I, I just told Robbie as we were signing on here, I picked out my hardest games, and I think it it's easy to know that no, Clemson's number one. But there is some debate uh, for the next two or three because we've got three tough away games in UNC, Louisville, and Pitt. And with the hype they're getting... You would have me, I think most people think, oh, it's got to be UNC, but I'm going with Louisville. I think traveling to that game, it's a little bit farther away. It'll probably be by bus. They're a dangerous team. Their quarterback had a better rating than Howell did at the end of the year. He, he played less snaps and wasn't as proficient in the uh, accumulated stats. But I think Mikhail Cunningham, excellent player, uh, Satterfield has got them turned around, and I'm very worried about that Louisville game, and I'll put UNC as you know right there at two slash three with
1: with Louisville. What do you got? I agree with you that the game so Clemson we can kind of knock that one off the list in terms of the hardest. Uh, the game that I think to, if the schedule lined up differently and you swapped North Carolina with Louisville, then I would go with your exact pick. I think just with the new defensive scheme, not getting to evaluate players, not getting as much time to implement the, you know, whatever system that we're going to end up seeing on the field. I just think that that could lead to some growing pains with North Carolina in that game on the road with them more. So where we have a little bit more time uh, to get prepared for, for Louisville. So I'm I'm going to say UNC and then the UL game in in my mind and I'm not talking about Liberty. So that <laughs> that that I, so if the if the schedule was reversed with those two teams, I would be right on the same probably with with you. I just don't know. I I think we're at a little bit of a detriment, especially you know North Carolina. There's no no two ways about it has been recruiting really, really well. You know, they have Mac has,
0: but not all those guys are there yet. Yes. Or like seasoned yet.
1: <laughs> no, no, that's right. Uh, Mac has really reinvigorated that, that whole fan base, I think inside the locker room, outside the the locker room. So I would, um, I tend to agree with you. I and mean, for me, it's just the order of the games in terms of how long it's going to take us to really get comfortable in our own, our own new scheme.
0: Yeah. Well, I was just looking up Cunningham's stats, quarterback for Louisville, and he goes by Mikhail or Malik. It depends on the site you go to. I don't know if one's a nickname, but uh, he had 22 touchdowns and five picks last year, 194 quarterback rating. That is absurd. Yeah. That is so high. It was on 179 attempts, so it's not like he threw, like, 50 passes. He threw almost 200 passes. It's impressive. Yeah. I- so now let's move to um, – to the I, and I think Pitt comes in right behind those teams. I, I and you probably agree with that. Pitt on the road, uh, that's a that's a brutal.
1: Pull. Yeah, I definitely agree with that. And I'm also just not. I think we sort of, and I know this is contradicting my point a little bit. I think we have some idea of what Mac Brown is capable of. I think Satterfield, we're starting to really learn then and. and I don't know what you've everything that I've heard about him and what I already knew about him prior to that is like off the charts, like in terms of, you know, the culture he's building, how down in the dumps a lot of those players were that were really talented and how he's really, um, you know, started to to build them back up. So that is to your to your point, that is going to be I mean, he did a great job at at app and he's starting to really seems to be making noise at, at Louisville easiest games
0: number one Liberty is are you yeah. going with number one as Liberty if All right.
1: if it if it happens but so we might be we might be copping out a little bit by picking that okay. so we might have to. Pick. I think
0: the next grouping is NC State BC and and honestly UVA and, and I know I know their arrival so the game's not going to be quote-unquote easy but if you just look what they're bringing back what they lost I mean losing Perkins is is huge um they are going to still have a good defense, but they lost a lot on the offensive side of the ball. Um, But I I think it's got to be BC with the new coach. yeah. Uh, And then NC State and then UVA. I'm not going to, you know, like I said, calling UVA easy is never, you know, you could say Wake is easier than UVA maybe, but like if you really look at what the teams are bringing back, like Wake should be better than UVA.
1: No, they absolutely should be. So – yeah, what what kind of notches that up a, a bit is just the rivalry aspect of it. I think mm-hmm. is what makes it you know kind of two notches more difficult than it may be uh, otherwise. But I, I agree with that assessment. i am I don't know what to expect out of Duke this year, and what I'm yeah. really anticipating for them. It's
0: supposed to have a good D line, I think.
1: Yeah, and but you know, I know it's probably been said at nauseum, and. Probably way too many times on here, but they're going to be well coached. They're going to be focused. They're you know that those portions of what they've been able to produce kind of year in year out, um, which is very different than the Duke of past. I think is interesting, but I think that's why that's good to kind of slot them in the middle. So I agree with the the three that you you outlined.
0: Yeah, and if you want to look at coaches, that's actually a good if you're kind of tossing between two. It's like you know Broncos going to have the guys ready to play. You know Clawson's going to have the guys ready to play. But we don't know about this BC coach, Hadley. Yeah, And Dave Doran has shown a propensity to underperform expectations. So let's go with NC State and BC as the next two easiest games. And hopefully we can pull off wins in both those games since they're both at home. Last thing was the predictions. And when I posted the question on our Twitter account... Most people said they think we'll go seven and three in the 10 conference games. Um, Stu Mandel uh, famously put us out at four and six. That hit the VT Twitter last week, and everyone went wild and said, like, you know, he's been wrong on us before, which he has. Mm-hmm. Um, but that still, like, kind of threw up a red flag. Like, Mandel is one of the people I respect the most. And he has a set four and six. Like, that's not very good.
1: (laughs) I respect him the most. I also think he's one of the least tied in to, like, the -the on-the-field performance, especially for (laughs) predictions going into a season, you know. Yeah, and I'd agree with you 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 on that. You listen to a lot of guys. But I think from a national perspective, narratives, what's happening in the landscape a 100%. But you listen to some of these other guys talk, and it's like, yo, I— I was on the phone with an assistant this morning. Uh, you know, last night I was talking to a coach. He never. That's says, how Feldman starts every sentence. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and you never really hear that from from Stu. It doesn't really come out. So I take that for what it's worth. He knows yep. a lot more than 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 I do. But I I just when I look at the schedule, I I don't know. Other than if he has six
0: losses, is a lot. That's a lot.
1: Yeah. It just, it seemed, this is going to be, uh, come across wrong, but it seemed like a really stupid prediction, like a really dumb <laughs> prediction. Yeah. Because on like the other side, before the season started and before we lost Farley and you had a guy like Fornelli who I really respect and he was out there saying that Virginia Tech was his underdog talking about how Hendon Hooker played towards the end of the season paying attention to what happened in the Notre Dame game, all all of these fact-based like kind of reasons why he was kind of high on Virginia Tech this year. So, yeah, I know that got a lot of people upset, but, uh, you know, it's a weird time in that... It's one prediction. Yeah, exactly. And
0: if you look at Athlon, which we both like I think the most of any prognosticator they seem to get it right the most they had us at five and three when it was an eight game (laughs) so they had us at more wins with eight games than Mandel has us at 10 games and I know we were lost Farley but like no I'm I'm not gonna go with the four and six um two four seven they did a round table they I think they had like maybe eight people Put together a ranking of where they think the teams would fall in the ACC, and they put us at sixth. Which I they didn't put records, but that would be about six and four. I I think if you're finishing six, you're probably about six and four. That is obviously possible. And anything you know, seven and three, six and four—that's one game. And these are going to be tough games. They're all conference games. Um, I still think I think seven and three sounds right and i know that we're biased we're fans and a lot of our fans think we're going seven and three but but i like that not as a floor i think six and four is probably the floor
1: yeah i I would say six and four is a reasonable prediction and i could definitely see seven and three but and and not to harp on this but we really don't We don't know what is going to be the mindset of any of these locker rooms going into the season. I think we have a pretty good idea what Clemson's locker room is going to be like. And I think they're (laughs) going to be perfectly fine uh, in that. But the rest of these teams, it's um, and I think that's what gives somebody like Cutcliffe, you know, a real opportunity this season, even though they don't have the talent is, you know, they're usually relatively know straight and narrow mature kind of like you know established presence and he's got a long tenure of 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 being able to to produce at at that level so for a guy like that i think they have a real opportunity so i i think six and four seven and three sounds right and that will just need for me i'm just going to hone that to figure out who ends up suiting up like for us there there are There are going to be other departures of people that don't want to play. And some of that, and I think I I said to you what what is interesting, and we'll cover this more in the next podcast, but there may be some guys that may not see the field that want to sit out because they're not going to be able to play. Um, That that could be another opportunity that's not an opportunity or a detriment to programs where it's like, hey, I don't even know if I'm going to see the field tonight, this year. I'm gonna have to I gotta grind my it life out. At risk. Yeah, yeah I gotta, I'm gonna sit out. Yeah, and it's like, why don't I just sit it out? You know, I'm still gonna keep my scholarship. Everybody's getting their scholarships, so that's that's already kind of guaranteed at this point. So, you know, I think that is seeing what happens with attrition between now and the start of the season is probably gonna what's gonna dictate it. You know, Miami just lost their best player. We lost one of our our best players. Um, there's there's gonna be more to come, but I think you know, seeing what kind of depth people have at the start of the season will be interesting as well. So let's just talk quickly about the
0: favorites who we expect to see in Charlotte, who could end up in Charlotte. Clemson and Notre Dame are the clear favorites. If you look yeah. at the top tens in the coaches poll, and Athlon, wherever, that's Clemson and Notre Dame. They're in every top ten. Uh, but Louisville, UNC, Miami, and us are that next tier. Um, and that, that seems right. The fact that we don't get the coastal division hurts us. And the fact that Notre Dame's in there, like, cause if you win the coastal, you get to play Clemson for a chance at the title. And now it's, it's not just, Oh, we have to compete with Louisville. We have to compete with Notre Dame to get to Charlotte. And so that stinks. Notre Dame's a very good team, but I still think it's possible. How do you feel? How do you feel about our odds getting to Charlotte? Do you think it's, it's so far fetched, or do you think we still have a reasonable shot? It,
1: I I hadn't done as much work around Notre Dame, quite honestly, as I would have if we were yeah for we did playing look them into that this at all. <laughs> and people are really high on them. They feel like they have a you know a lot of depth. They have you know an experienced quarterback. I think it's going to be different for them this year, in and compared to years past, because. Whether they want to or not, or they act like they're not feeling it or not, being a part of a conference has a different feel to it. Where it does that, you know, and maybe this was going to be the season where they were thinking, you know, what's 12 or 0 or bust for us, but they don't have some of the excitement games that would typically be on their schedule to get them, you know, they're you're lacking the Navy game, you're lacking your Stanford game, you're, you're lacking some of the games that really give them a lot of excitement about the season you're going in and out same week, knowing the opponents of who that person has beat common opponents that who's beat who and things along those lines. I think it's going to be a little bit different mindset for them, which would be interesting. That said, there's no doubt that Clemson, Notre Dame and the clear cut favorites for to say that we it's far fetched for us to make it. I don't, I don't necessarily see that to be true. I think the on the offensive side of the ball i think that you know we're returning a, a pretty experienced quarterback at this point that has a lot of upside and could come out and and do some pretty amazing things this year and it would be you know really exciting the real question is you know on top of the unknown we have a double unknown which is what is the defense going to look like and yep. so that that is where something like Stu's prediction of a four and six could come true. Where there's just And that some, means yeah.
0: everything went wrong on defense. Yes. Yes. And and listen, anything is possible. You got a new defense coordinator after thirty years of bud, but the fact that we have Tracy Clays on staff and, and Fuente even mentioned this in the recent interview he did with Sons of Saturday, which that's another thing we'll talk about on the next podcast. He said like Tracy Clays, we needed him. With an inexperienced Hamilton, you need to have someone that's run a defense and has you know decades of experience uh, defensively in college football on the staff, and that's what Tracy Clay's is. And that backstop, I think, it prevents me from thinking it's going to be a disaster. Yeah, um, yeah that everything will just go wrong because it is a lot of pieces to put together and and get it all going in the right direction. To finish the thought on Notre Dame, being a part of the conference, having ten conference games it's i i know they play stanford and they play michigan and they play all these tough games but like it's hilarious to me they have to go to winston-salem this year they have to go down and play wake forest on the road like they could lose that game you know how they play against Pitt every couple years they lose a game to Pitt they have Pitt on the road they got to go to atlanta who the hell knows what could happen there they got to go to unc to bc i mean They've lost huge games to BC, like things they should never lose. So, th- it's not a guarantee that Notre Dame is eight and two, nine and one. It's not, and so I- I'm very much looking forward to seeing how they uh, they play this year in the ACC and what the tiebreakers are like too. Because I'm I'm not exactly sure. I'm assuming it's going to be head to head and then common opponents. Yeah. I, I would have to assume that's what it's going to be. Um, I'm I'm not even sure if it's all out there yet. It probably is somewhere. I just haven't dug into it. But we'll get into all that, the, our record predictions, um, everything about the season and over this month as we gear up. And like Robbie hit at the top, I'm sorry we haven't been around for the last two months, but we're not going to preview Penn State when we thought it was very up in the air of whether we were going to even play that game all summer so we we kind of left you guys hanging and i apologize but other podcasts out there have you covered there's lots of content that's coming out but we're going to be back now for this month and into the season we'll be getting you season previews we're going to discuss everything that's happened with with the recruiting uh farley we seem to be on a better track with some of the uh recruiting trail stuff so that's nice um did you have any
1: final thoughts before we sign off no i think i i think that's right listen yeah i would um I would have to fathom a guess that nobody of all the podcasts out there was more dejected by losing the Penn State game that I've been talking about for three years uh, now on the podcast and preparing everybody for. So uh, that it, it stinks. We're in we're in a really tough time, and um, but you know we want to not just put out content for content's sake. At least have something to talk about, and quite frankly. Right now, we would be knee deep in doing team by team previews. And, and, you know, and quite frankly, we didn't know that we were actually going to even have a schedule until until just recently. (laughs) So, we we, I was
0: getting nervous about any podcast from us because if there was no season, I didn't really know what to do. (laughs) Um, (laughs) But let's hope that this schedule plays out at least the beginning of it. Something I, I do feel the guilt that some people feel out there. About wanting this to happen so badly because I see the schedule come out today, and I said it on Twitter. I I, it's the most excited I've been about football in months. Wow! Like this is happening. Like everything, every league is putting out a schedule with dates. Like I got really excited, and then you think like this is this really the right thing that we should be doing? That's not up to us. We are going to cover it. And we're going to cover it as the fans that we are. Um, obviously, we hope everyone in CFB, Power Five, ACC stays safe, stays healthy, but most likely there's going to be some casualties. And that is, that's the saddening part of this. And fortunately, I waited until about the, the 45 minute mark to get to sad on you guys. But, <laughs> but yeah, like it, it's a, t- I know a lot of football fans are going through this, um, conflicted uh nature that i'm having
1: Uh, yes everybody is i mean it's it's across everything it's uh, it has to do with you it's not just well you're not getting paid or you know people are dealing this with their everyday lives like people are dealing this whether they want to send their kids back to school right like everybody is conflicted in different mediums of their their life so it's it's not just football and the fact is is that, you know, we can only hope that we reach a good outcome, um, whether the season's played or, or not played, that's in the best interests of, of everybody involved. And then from there, there's there's only so much we can do. We can just try and be as safe as we can if we decide to play. Or if we don't play, then we hope that, you know, a lot of institutions are still able to, you know, fund programs and, and everybody's good. The good news is, is, like I said, it, you know the, the people have come out and said, you know you can't cancel scholarships, so the players at the very least whether they want to play or not play, there can't be a blowback on them. they can choose not to play, and um that's at their their discretion, which you know that I think that's a good first step you know you have the protection behind you and and not that there may not be peer pressure, but at least you know that you know from an academic standpoint you're you're good, and uh, I think that's an important step. Yeah, I only brought it up because I wanted to
0: acknowledge it. The fact that we know that this isn't all rainbows and butterflies. Like, we're very excited and we're jacked up for the season. Like, I I saw the schedule. I'm like, I'm going to Blacksburg for UVA. (laughs) Even if I can't get in the game, you know, I get get all excited. And it's like, there are real-world consequences to what's going to happen over the next few months. Um, But nevertheless, it's an exciting day. And we hope you enjoyed the podcast. We're sorry we've been away for a couple months. We're going to be back hopefully next week. Uh, and maybe, you know, if not then the next week after that, and throughout the season, as many weeks as, as will be played, we will be recording. So thanks for sticking with us. Um, we can hit us on Twitter. It's at 2DVT, 2DVT at gmail.com. If you want to send us anything and then, uh, 2DVT on Instagram as well. We need to post some more pictures to that, Robbie. I haven't done it in a, in a couple weeks, but we gotta, we gotta put some more stuff out there. Make sure to rate, review, and subscribe on Apple podcasts and uh, find us on Spotify as well. And until next time, go Hokies.